0: There are people that are listening that do believe in God, and you want the pain to stop right now, and God is not working on your time schedule, and you're struggling with that. But really, what you're struggling with is trust trusting a God that can heal your broken heart.
1: Hey, friends, you're listening to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations facing life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive into today's show. On today's episode, we'll be bringing you an interview that Victor conducted with Christian rock band singer, Joseph Rojas. He's the lead member and founder of Seven Day Slumber. The band has released eleven studio albums between 1996 and 2017. He's the president of TeenHopeLine.com and a keynote speaker at concert and events, conferences, youth groups, and festivals. Joseph and his wife Lori have been married since 1999, and they have three boys. Let's tune into their latest conversation.
2: For listeners, would you mind
0: just sharing a little bit about your background? Um, so my background is. Uh... It's kind of a kind of a rough story, and uh, probably a lot of listeners have can I either identify with it or know someone that that's been through it. But uh, I was raised by a single mother. Uh, my father wasn't in the home. He used to actually he used to beat my mother and um, mm. and was a, a serial cheater. I guess is is how you would put that. But um and so my mother, my father was in the military. He was in the Air Force, and I was born in California, but I was raised in Victoria, Texas. Okay, and uh, and so be it, my father being in the military, you know, he was at the air force base in California. Okay. So, yeah, but victorias is what, that's where I grew up. That's my home. And my, my father came out of the military and, and was just continuing to do what he did mm. and hit my mother. And I remember being about almost four years old and him um, beating her. Well, for the last time, and he got arrested. I still remember the blood. I still remember the sirens. I still remember all of it. My brother's a year older than me, and uh, he was with me, and we were, couldn't do anything. We we're little kids, and so um, I grew up with that. It's still vivid in my mind, it, and I can't remember anything from five or six years old right. that I did, but I remember that. How did that
2: make you feel when you
0: when you saw all that? Well, I've struggled with anxiety my whole life, basically, you know. And my mother has had like panic attacks and things like that, and I, I and I feel like that that traumatic experience did something to me, and yep. and and I would. Struggle with these anxious feelings. And I still remember the fear that I had. It's crazy. Like I said, I can't remember anything at like five or six years old I did. But that experience, I remember it. And it changed me. And and for my whole life growing up, well, I say my whole life. So till the age of 12, I struggled with that. And at 12, I thought about suicide. And so, my dad was arrested; he left the country and he had a lot of contacts you know overseas and everything from being in the military and hes he was intellectually smart, I don't know about the common sense part, but intellectually smart and took a job working for an oil company, and he left. I never saw him again until I was fourteen years old. I think so my mom raised us, but at twelve years old i was I was already thinking about suicide at twelve. let's unpack that a little bit <laughs> you know for twelve year olds to think
2: about suicide. And uh, that's not because they're not getting good Christmas gifts, right? This this is years of – and we would say it, uh, those of us who help folks in, with trauma, really you experience something that your mind couldn't process as yeah. a kid, right? I mean, how, how does a three- or four-year-old process watching their mom getting beat? Mm-hmm. It's
0: – exactly. I mean, I feel like that um, that experience – definitely changed me. And, um, at 12 thinking about suicide, really, it's just kind of all of that coming to fruition or not fruition is not the right word, but it's like all of that hitting you right. at where your mind can kind of start to process. Right. 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 You, you know what I'm saying? Like 12, I mean, reaching puberty and everything. So I feel like that's what happened. I feel like you, you couldn't do anything until now your mind's developing. And at 12, you're trying to figure it out, but you're still a child. Right. And there's this helplessness of, there
2: ain't nothing you can do. Nothing you can especially do.
0: Especially when you start realizing, Hey, that was a bad type of bad. And that was my mom, mm. you know, cause you're raised by your mother. You're, you're, she's, she's the one that nurtured you. And when you could finally understand what really happened to her and what she went through, that's what, what it was like, man. And now I'm becoming a man yeah. at 12 years old how can I go back and, and fix this? And even at 12, my dad would have probably still whooped me. You know yep. what I mean? But, but you're at a place now where you feel like I need to, pro- I, I need to protect, you know? Right. And I couldn't do it at three and a half, four years old. And this is, this is very real for those listening, uh, both
2: girls and guys, mm-hmm. uh, because we know the high rate of abuse in homes. Mm-hmm. And, and for kids, again, children can't process that. Yeah. But they grow up. And you have to do something with it. You have to do something with the anger Mm because anger, you know, it never goes away unless it's dealt with. That I firmly believe. So people either pull a grenade pin and throw it outward or Mm -hmm. swallow it inward Mm -hmm. and destroy themselves through whatever type of behavior or Mm -hmm. use of drugs and whatnot. So at 12, you're considering suicide. and, And then when
0: you don't, don't, don't most of us go to drugs. Well, that, so that's what happened. So I told you that my mom struggled with anxiety. So doctors prescribed her pills mm-hmm. and my mom wasn't a heavy drinker, but she would always keep some Southern comfort in there and, you know, and oh, yeah. people would come over and they she, she would have, you know, a drink with them, but she never wanted to feel like she was losing control. So she didn't drink a lot. Mm-hmm. So that meant a full bottle for me. That's mm-hmm. how I saw it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I took her pills. Mm-hmm. I was 12. And I remember taking a buddy of mine. He came over and we just, like I went in there and grabbed it and we, sh- I popped it in half and we both took it and drank a, a shot. And I remember Ooh. that burn going through my throat Ooh. and the feeling that came over me. And I was like, man, this is what's up. Uh-huh. Like, like there's no more problems. I don't, right. I don't feel like I got any problems left, Right. you know? And, uh, and then I had a headache the next day. I was like, I felt so bad, you know? But, uh, that was the first time I ever used drugs and, And then I tried smoking weed, but I was allergic to marijuana, which is, I felt like I was, I was deprived as a child. you know (laughs) As a pharmacist. But, well, the thing is, I thank God for that because, because I don't, you know, who knows what would have happened? Because I, you know, I mean, I got buddies still smoking it to this day. And I'm like, man, you know, they don't understand that living in your mom's basement is not cool. Yeah. There's there's a point of (laughs) you got to grow sometime. I was six. In the sixth grade is when I
2: started drinking yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, smoking weed, and I so I tell kids right, uh, you can't just say no to drugs. You gotta. I understand why. Yeah, people take drugs. They're especially young people. They're they're trying to. Like I tell folks i didn't do it to be cool i did it so i wouldn't remember mm-hmm. and i didn't same
0: right i didn't remember that yep. i mean i i felt like this 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 makes sense yeah like finally everything makes sense and, and then that's that's sad because i don't want people listening to think okay you know right but it also wrapped its arms around me and choked me almost to death yeah and so i was running to something we run to things that make us feel good for the moment but those things will leave us emptier than we ever were. Because they're not free. But, yeah. It's that's a right. Temporary that's, fix that's that, it. that complicates things. Yeah. It makes things, makes things so much worse, but you don't realize it at the time. All you want is the pain to stop. That's mm-hmm. all you want at that moment. Mm-hmm. Can this stop? And God doesn't work fast enough for me. Right. You know what I mean? At that moment, I didn't even believe in a God. Right. But there are people that are listening that do believe in God. And you want the pain to stop right now. Mm -hmm. And God is not working on your time schedule. And you're struggling with that. But really what you're struggling with is trust. Mm. Trusting a God that can heal your broken heart. Trusting a God that can make this better. But it has to be a certain timing. His timing, not yours. Right, Joseph. So...
2: So the person's in there going, man, I hear you, but I, I struggle with this or that, and, and I, I, I'm i lonely, I'm angry. Uh, yeah, I do the church thing, or I listen to the radio a little bit, but w- what can I practically do right now? Or in that moment of pain where you need an
0: out, whether it's temptation or whatever, what would you tell them practically well, as far as addiction goes, if we're, and we'll speak to other things, but as far as addiction goes, I would say that it's so important to take every thought captive. And we're not just like, I'm not just throwing out Bible no, no, verses right. and th- I'm I'm talking real this, talk. This, meat and potatoes this is crazy, This right? is real talk. How do you take your thoughts so captive? So this is kind of weird. Um, you're going to think I'm weird for this. Come on, give me your formula. But letter. I, I have this huge hand in my mind uh-huh. so whenever i have this thought or this uh like i want to do something i imagine this big strong hand it's the hand of god mm-hmm. in my mind like i i imagine it grabbing the thought which is i know it sounds weird no come on but am uh, grabbing the thought and crushing it and then throwing it into tiny pieces into my mind and being gone i like that so every person listening you need to have scripture
2: right mm-hmm. because that's how christ fought against Satan. He had a scripture. Mm-hmm. But then find something that works for you. Absolutely. Um, for me, taking the thought captive is the first step. Absolutely. To trying to live free. And for me, I love saying the moment I get a dart, you know, by faith, you hold up that shield and I go, God, I hate my sin, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, I want to call it what it is if I go toward that. And then I just say, I agree with you, Lord i you,
0: agree with you one thing you just said uh, uh god i hate my sin i want to i want to tell the listeners something If I, if i Please. may yeah. so so there is a difference between hating your sin and hating yourself Big because difference. because you can hate yourself and i've been in that position where Not i hated really. myself and now it's i hate my sin right and if you get into that you'll end up never feeling that God can ever forgive you for what you did. It's a spiral you yourself, downward, isn't it? Not your sin. Yeah. yeah.
2: You just spiral down with that. Yeah, Cause there's no condemnation to those mm-hmm. of us who are in Christ Jesus. Absolutely. Um, and you know, it took me a long time. I don't know about you, brother, but it took me a while to start seeing God as a father mm. because of our dads. Right. And, um, and I was always waiting for something bad to happen. or If I didn't live up to it and, man it when grace comes into the picture mm-hmm. then that ushers in love and i really realized he already knows i'm going to sin he's never calling me to perfection just the direction to walk with him and and even when i intentionally blow it he's there just going hey i love you that you know i know that didn't that doesn't feel good you know that it's trying to separate us.
0: Come on, come on over here. And that helps me a lot. Well, in Psalms, it talks about, there's no place that you can go that I wouldn't already be, oh, man. you know? And so if there's no place I could go where you'd already be, that means that you knew me uh, before I was in the womb, right. which that scripture says as well, you, you know, my ins and outs, my comings, my goings, mm-hmm. you know, the end of the book, you know, the beginning of the book. And so for us to try to run from God, but you got to, Adam hid from God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Adam hid from God in the garden. That's what we do. Like we, we know what we did was wrong, but, but God is, he's still there. And when he said, Adam, basically he's not looking for Adam, even though in the Bible, you know, you know, Adam's hiding in God's like, where are you? God knows where you're at. You know what I mean? Like quit, quit running, quit hiding. And for me, that's what I was doing even at 12 years old. And you know, I went through a whole process of trying to figure my life, like mm. trying to figure even that traumatic situation out mm-hmm. started using cocaine at 14. Mm. And, and that was like, that was the one, you right. know what I mean? That was the like hook. the other drugs w- were good, you know, bad, but you know what I mean? Like right. to, they, to me, they were like, okay, this is fixing it for a moment. But cocaine is the one that I latched onto, but it also latched onto me. Right. By the age uh, I've been in and out of jails institutions. My mother uh, was crying many times, mm. Um, you know, and at a hospital or at a jail cell or whatever, um, or at the jail, you know, talking to me through this Mm. glass on the phone. So at 14, um, I started using cocaine. Then I started selling cocaine Mm -hmm. and ended up being a a dope dealer. And, um, by the age of 18, I was finally convicted of my first felony. Mm. Now the other stuff was like, juvenile stuff i mean behavioral centers and things like that but at 18 you're in big boy jail and so that's when my mother ended up giving her life to christ Mm. my mom was looking for help for me so bad Mm. so desperately uh after you know so many you know years of seeing me killing myself that she uh, went to church with this lady gave her life to jesus and uh, she started praying for me. Well, what that do for you? It's like, Jesus, Mom. I mean, because. I didn't understand the concept of God the Father. And my right. mother, when she first got saved, started talking to me like in Christianese. Right, right, right. Like, you know, you know how gets, Christians to, talk, uh, man. Well, brother, thou, yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> and it's like, no, dude, I, I, don't, I don't understand that, man. Right. Like, dude, talk to me real. How do, you, do you talk to your kids that way? Right. Do you talk to your wife that way? But no, but then when you meet me. You have to speak in Christianese. Mm-hmm. Like I don't care, mm-hmm. I don't care about that. I don't understand it. Right. Talk to me like a real person. I'm hurting. I I'm struggling. It. I need somebody to to meet me where I'm at. Right. And my my mom at first was doing the whole Christianese, but then it wasn't long. I mean, it was it was probably only a couple months, and then she mm-hmm. she just she I, got it. I gotta be a mother to him. No. I, I can't. I gotta meet him where he's at. But now I have this place I can, or this person I can refer him to, and that. And that's Jesus. And I need to, you know, my, my mother got it. She never would be like, God, heal his drug addiction. God heal his drug addiction. And there's my listening right now praying that, and you're not wrong for praying that. But my mother understood that the drug addiction wasn't my problem. Mm. That was a symptom of, she would pray for this. She would say, God, heal my son's broken heart. Mm. Heal my son's broken mm. heart. Mm. When, when that gets fixed, you don't run to this or that. You don't run to porn. You don't run to, right. I mean, you may have urges and things like that, but that you know that God is your source and your heart is, is healed. And and man, that's what my mom prayed for.
2: And you really just nailed this because so often uh, people, we try to fix our behaviors, right? Mm-hmm. Especially parents with kids or spouses, the behavior, but I believe in kind of going to the root because I always ask, why are you, do, do you even know why? You know, um, we were just in Ohio at a juvenile facility, all felony kids. And, and you know, the, the one thing I love to say is, w- you know, where you are is not who you are. It's a unless, you, unless you choose that, right? But do you know why you're here? I mean, just be honest, because the kids aren't dumb. And some of them will say, well, because of, uh, and I go, ah, do you really know why you're here? And until they take responsibility and go, well, man, I guess maybe I'm angry. Because of, and then I say, you have a right to be angry. You have every right
0: to be, man, the
2: injustice, the stuff she saw went Mm -hmm. through, but now what do you do with it? You gonna
0: let this, you don't let this kill you, control you, destroy you. Absolutely. But I want to say something. My next door neighbor. Yeah. You talked about the root. Yeah. My next door neighbor just chopped his tree down. Right. Mm -hmm. And in our home or outside of our home, we chopped our tree down. And, uh, the reason that that tree came down, is because of the fact that um, the roots were growing and in, in breaking his home, so he didn't just chop the tree down right he had to go deeper right because you can chop the tree down, you can quit using drugs, yeah you can quit eating too much right you can quit looking at porn, you can quit but but the foundation is still wrecked right or is still being wrecked right, and until you get the root, you'll never ever have a solid foundation. the most important thing I ever did.
2: Is forgive, forgive people who did me wrong, and you know I, I a tough thing to it, do. It's apart from the grace of God, right? How do you do it? And I think forgiveness is just giving up our right to hurt someone back for hurting us. It, I
0: believe in justice and all that, but uh, I had to pray. I had to pray that God would give me the want to right. to forgive my father, right? Because I couldn't on my own. Right, I was supposed to forgive him. I know that. I became a Christian. I know I'm supposed to forgive, but I didn't want to forgive him. I love the Lord. Don't get me wrong, but I don't like this guy and right. I don't like what he did to my mom. And right. now I'm a grown man and, and you I want to hurt him about it. I want to hurt him. Right. You know, right. but I was like, God, give me the want to, cause I don't have it right now. Mm. That's what my first prayer was. Mm. Well, what ended up happening with your dad? Uh, my father ended up calling me one day, said he. His lost his brother. His brother died, and uh, died, you know, early on. I mean, he was he was still young. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but this, my uncle Henry was a awesome father. He was mm-hmm. the only one from that side of the family that reached out to my brother and I wow. and felt bad about what his brother did to us. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he was a good father, just an awesome dad. But he died of a heart attack at I think fifty five years old. He was young, and but his kids were weeping. And my dad told me that he called me. I was on a tour bus heading to. Back from Texas to Nashville, where I live, and uh, my dad said, "You know, your uncle Henry died," and told me basically that the kids were weeping, and he said, "And something hit me. And I felt like I needed to call you. I wondered if my kids would cry for me wow. if I died." And uh, he said, "Son, I know I know you hate me." I said, "Dad, I'm gonna stop you there. I've been praying for you. I don't hate you at all." And I invited him to Nashville and he knew i was in a band he just thought i was playing like he didn't know what that it was a band right, real right, band right like he thought i was playing local you know i'm from texas you play honky tonks right, right and so um he just thought that's what that was and then he came out to nashville and uh he went to two shows the first one i talked about how my father used to beat my mother because i would start with that mm. it's just what what you right. you know i'm used to telling that story and my dad was there wow. and there was like five or ten thousand wow. people i don't even know they were we were playing with a band called skillet yeah. and at the time and, and so there's a lot of people and my dad looked down like this is why you brought me here like mm. to because he was it was a concrete stage and it was huge and he was standing at the front of it looking at all these people watching me he couldn't believe it like this is not a honky tonk right. you know this is all my right. son really did this you know and anyway um but he looked down and i was i saw it but i had to finish the story yep. And so I finished it, and I said, "But my dad's here today, and um, this is my father. It's his very first Seventh-day Slumber concert. And the crowd stood up and cheered for him. The next day, we played another festival, um, the Alive Festival, and I gave an altar call, and my father came running to the altar in the middle of the rain. It was muddy. No way. And I led my father to Jesus. (laughs) So So God's able. He's
2: he's able. able. Man, I, I so appreciate you're letting us hang out here in y'all's home and sharing from your heart, right? Just just real life. And, um, and I want to thank y'all for leading from the front.
0: Well, that means so much, and thank you for having me. And I would just tell those listeners real quick that, you know, I, I ended up giving my life to Jesus in the back of an ambulance after – making a decision to commit suicide. Mm. My mother walked in unexpectedly uh, and I overdosed in front of her. Uh, but in the back of an ambulance, I felt the hand of God mm. and uh, he changed my life. And here I am today, um able to, to help other people with this story. I've, I've had a pretty messed up life and there's things I do today that I wish I didn't. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm still a work in progress yep. and, uh, and you don't have to be perfect. Amen. It's not about perfection, just direction. How can people, Uh, better follow you do you have social media website what is believe it or not we're still one of the bands that still has a website it's not all just social media so (laughs) www.seventhdayslumber.com it's spelled out um so um you can do that or you can hit us on instagram or facebook and we really are the ones answering our messages so if you send us a message uh pm me you know or whatever or dm me i guess (laughs) uh so yeah we, we still write you back And we love you, and we're here for you. Thank you. God bless you, and uh, God bless your family, too.
1: Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way, or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.